Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of the Ranting Redneck podcast. It's been a while since we've been on here. It kind of seems like my life turned into a circus for a while and various hunting seasons going on. And so it's been kind of difficult to find time to do this. And I decided I was going to make time to get in this evening and talk to you a little bit. There's several things that there's been so much happened since the last time we were on that it would take absolutely forever to cover all of it. But we're just going to try to touch on a few things this evening. And the first thing is, uh, you know, we had a verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and it was a proper verdict there. You know, there's a lot of hyperbole and crap and everybody talking about both sides of it, you know, and all the, you know, he was a white supremacist terrorist and you've still got people pushing that he crossed state lines with a weapon, which we know is not true. That was debunked in the trial that the weapon stayed in Kenosha and hence the reason that the judge knocked the one of the weapons charges off. But in watching what I saw of this trial, it wasn't really Kyle Rittenhouse that was on trial. He was the face of it, but it was very much the Second Amendment and your right to stand your ground and defend yourself when you're under attack is what was on trial here. They, you know, you can simultaneously, and I may lose a few people with this, but you can simultaneously acknowledge that Kyle Rittenhouse is a 17-year-old kid kind of put himself in a situation that he probably shouldn't have put himself in but the failure of local government state government local law enforcement there were so many failures along the way that led to a 17 year old kid feeling like he needed to be on that street and he needed to be helping to defend his community that we can't even list all of them you know it It's a horrible failure when you have people literally rioting, looting, burning, and government is claiming that they're just practicing their First Amendment right to protest. And the First Amendment says that we have the right to assemble and petition government for redress of grievance. It doesn't say we have the right to loot, to riot, to burn, and... You know, you can simultaneously acknowledge that Kyle Rittenhouse was probably in a situation that he should not have put himself in. But he was out there because government didn't do its job. It was the government's job to protect those people, those businesses, you know, to to put a stop to this. It's one thing if you want to go out and protest, I don't care. You don't have the right to loot. You don't have the right to riot. You don't have the right to burn someone's business. You do not, I don't care what you're pissed off about. That's rioting. And you don't have that right. That is not a protected right. And this young man was in this situation. And I got to be honest with you. In the situation that this occurred, he honestly showed some remarkable discipline. Because he fired three shots 
and engaged three targets that were directly attacking him, that were direct threats to him in an environment, a very threatening environment overall. He showed the discipline to not act until his life was directly threatened. And I find that to be fairly impressive on the part of a 17-year-old young man. He didn't fire into a crowd. He didn't, he did not engage anyone who was not at the time that he engaged them, a direct threat to his safety and well-being. And in watching this trial, they weren't just saying Kyle Rittenhouse's actions at the moment were wrong. They were saying that Kyle Rittenhouse and by extension, you, me, or anyone else should not have the right to defend their community, to defend themselves to be armed in a situation, a threatening situation. And the prosecution in this, boys and girls, if you want to be a prosecuting attorney, you should watch this trial. Not for pointers, but because you go through and you do everything pretty much the exact opposite of the way Thomas Binger did if you want to be a successful prosecutor. The verdict in this case was correct. A good prosecutor, this may have been a winnable case because of the amount of public sentiment and the threats toward the jury, the judge, the people outside making it very clear that they were looking for a specific verdict. And if they didn't get it, that shit was going to hit the fan. This might actually have been a winnable trial for a good prosecutor. I'm glad it wasn't because... This young man did not commit any crimes. You know, he, like I said, he may have put himself where he didn't really have business being, but he didn't do that just on a lark. He did that because government left people no choice, but to try to privately protect, to put a stop to this, to try to defend their community. And the prosecution in this tried to, you know, they, they constantly irritated the judge. And people complained about the judge being biased. The judge was a Democrat appointee. He wasn't somebody that Donald Trump appointed or, you know, he, he was a Democrat appointee, but he followed the letter of the law. He enforced in his courtroom proper courtroom conduct. And you had a prosecutor that literally tried to use the fact when you're arrested and read your Miranda rights, the first line of your Miranda rights is, you have the right to remain silent. He tried to use this as some sort of admission of guilt after having been told to leave it alone. After having been told it was not to be brought up in the courtroom, he tried to use this as some sort of admission of guilt on the part of Kyle Rittenhouse. And the judge rightfully admonished him and told him that's been the, the law for decades. You don't bring that up and try to use that as some sort of you know, admit admission of guilt. You have the right to not talk to the police until you have spoken to an attorney. And, and you shouldn't speak to the police in a situation like that until you have spoken to an attorney. Because the police know the questions to ask to get the answers they want to turn it into a gotcha. To make it sound like you did something wrong. You know, to make you something they can use in court that sounds like an admission of guilt in, in some sort of wrongdoing. So he did, ex this young man did exactly what he should have. And the prosecutor tried to make that look like some sort of admission of guilt. 
and got reamed by the judge on this and several other issues. His line of questioning was, especially when Kyle Rittenhouse was on the stand, was absolutely one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. He tried to invoke the fact that Kyle had played first-person shooter video games with friends, and it was quite amusing to hear Kyle Rittenhouse have to explain to this prosecuting attorney, it's a video game. It's not real life. The guy was a complete moron and could not have handled this any worse, and I'm glad they had an idiot assigned to it, because at the end of the day, the verdict was the correct one. You know, you had... And the judge could have at several points during this declared a mistrial with prejudice. The defense moved for mistrial with prejudice after the Fifth Amendment right to, you know, not self-incriminate was used to maintain his silence until having, he spoke to, to an attorney after being arrested. And then the a journalist, quote-unquote journalist, for... NBC, MSNBC, was caught following the jury bus, which could have very well resulted in, in a mistrial for things outside the courtroom because you're basically, those jurors find that out, they start to fear for their lives and you don't get their honest verdict, you get the verdict they were scared into giving. And it was made very clear by the new Black Panther Party and BLM and Antifa and all the usual suspects that, you know, if they didn't get the verdict they wanted, that they were just going to lose their shit. And never, ever should that be allowed to stand. There should be no such thing as intimidating a jury, threatening a judge. People talked about, we're going to hang, we want, we should hang the judge and, you know, we should burn everything down. And at any point in time, this judge could have rightfully declared a mistrial with prejudice which would have been dismissing the entire case. But I think at the end of the day, he knew that there was no way that a guilty verdict came through. And the nice thing about a not guilty verdict and acquittal by a jury is it's the end of it. Whereas a mistrial was prejudiced. Somebody could complain, appeal, you, you know, and a mistrial can be retried. Now mistrial was prejudiced means that on the existing evidence, and with the existing case as it stands, it cannot be brought back to trial. But now that he has been acquitted, double jeopardy comes in and he can't be retried for this same offense. And I think the judge at the end of the day knew in his heart that that's how this was going to pan out. And he didn't want to declare a mistrial and leave room for people to complain. And, you know, whereas now a jury found him not guilty. And so he's done with it. Now what starts, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, will be the defamation, slander, libel, lawsuits that come out of this because the media, a lot of politicians, the dipshit in the White House, you know, came out and basically said he was a murderer, he was a white supremacist, he was a domestic terrorist. They gave him the Nick Sandman treatment. And we all know how that worked out for the media. That young man's probably CNN's highest paid employee. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. And he even can file suit against Joe Biden. The, you cannot file suit against a sitting president in situations like that. But Joe Biden defamed him at a debate when he was not an elected official. 
and what happens on your campaign is not considered part of your actions as an elected official. So he can file suit against Joe Biden for portraying him as a white supremacist terrorist and, you know, all that. And there's many people in Congress. And there was even, I believe it was Tiffany Cross from MSNBC, NBC, who after he was acquitted in a court of law, on camera called him a murderous little white supremacist. This kid's going to get rich. And rightfully so. You know, these people need to be held to account for what they say in these situations. They need to. And money's the only thing that, you know, you can do. And it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But he basically has credible lawsuits against about every major media outlet. And a lot of print media, public officials, you know, a lot of people that very much slandered him and defamed him and tried to paint him as this kid that went out looking to shoot somebody. And, and, you know, I don't believe that was the case. And you had an idiot of a prosecutor that literally picked up the AR 15 in question, put his finger on the trigger. First rule of gun safety. Once again, treat every firearm as if it were loaded, put his finger on the trigger and pointed it toward the jury. This guy couldn't be any bigger dumbass if you gave him a lobotomy. He just, you know, and now it's going to be interesting to see how much money this kid winds up winning out of this because it, I mean, the cases are there and they're legitimately there and any decent judge or jury is going to, going to see it. So we'll see if he displaces Nick Sandman as the highest paid person at CNN. MSNBC, CBS, Washington Post, New York Times. The list is long, but somewhat distinguished, I guess. And so we'll wait and see how this goes. I'm curious to see how this young man's going to come out of this, but you can rest assured he's going to end up with a bunch of money out of these media outlets. The next thing I wanted to talk about is the quote-unquote energy shortage in gas prices being what they are and you know how much it's going to cost people much more to heat their homes this year during the winter if they use any kind of fossil fuel energy or if they use electricity prices are going to go up because the price of producing it has gone up and it's interesting that you know we have an administration that's still trying to blame the previous administration for everything that goes wrong we've got inflation at the highest levels in 30 years and According to them, it's somehow the fault of the previous administration. We've got gas prices higher than I've seen them in years. And they're blaming that, trying to find ways to blame that on the previous administration. Well, under the previous administration, we were energy independent. We were a net exporter of petroleum products. And the way that works, what net exporter means, it doesn't mean we aren't taking any in any fuel from foreign countries. It means that at the end of the day, what we're sending out is more than what we're taking in. So the net is we are an exporter. We are, we are producing enough oil that we do not have to be beholden to our petroleum products in general, fossil fuels that we do not have to be beholden to anyone, be it OPEC or, you know, be it Russia, be it whoever, 
we're not beholden to them. We produce our own energy. And that's the reason that we saw gas prices that were, you know, a dollar eighty a gallon just a little over a year ago. And now we're seeing three dollars a gallon and up. We're seeing ridiculous inflation, which part of that is the fact that a gallon of diesel now is 80% higher than it was a year ago. And this country lives on diesel fuel, you know, trucks, river boats, ocean going boats, trains, everything that moves bulk quantities of any commodity runs on diesel fuel. So when diesel fuel prices surge, inflation is going to surge. It's just going to happen. But they're, you know, not not owning this, not taking responsibility for it. When the, one of the first things that Joe Biden did when he took office was revoke the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline. And not only putting thousands of people out of work, you know, many of whom belong to the same unions that Democrats claim to support and that pour money into Democrat candidates' campaigns, but also immediately causing a spike in fuel prices where now he has released oil from our strategic reserves, like 50 million barrels, which is basically what this country uses in a little under three days. And, you know, in an attempt to lower prices for the holidays, which what this is basically going to be is, you know, somebody pissing on your foot saying, Oh, well, let me grab a towel. They dry your foot off and claim they did you a favor. You know, we've jacked prices up. Now we're going to bring them down a few cents. And you're supposed to tell us what a wonderful job we're doing of controlling prices of gas. And they've begged OPEC and other producers and got everybody to produce a few more boil barrels of oil so they can show you that prices dropped just a wee bit. It's not going to be big. It's not going to be anything near pre-Uncle Sniffy prices. but they're going to claim that that's some kind of win when our strategic reserves are oil that is meant to be used only in times of some sort of crisis times of war times of natural disaster those are the type of situations where our domestic our strategic oil reserves are supposed to be tapped not because some dipshit dropped the ball and caused energy prices to go up. And, you know, you see these idiots that say a president doesn't control gas prices when absolutely he does. His energy policies dictate what happens to energy prices in this country. You know, if you have someone who allows domestic oil, who allows us to produce leases drilling on, you know, public land, they're going to bring prices down. You're going to have more supply. Your demand is not going to be greater than your supply. But when a president, the first thing they do is tries to shut down any kind of domestic production, you're going to see prices go up because that puts you at the mercy of OPEC and other oil producing nations in this world. They can basically say, Hey, you need oil. We're going to stick you for it. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it. And when you have a president that comes in and he pauses leases on new drilling, who, like I said, cancels pipelines and then has the balls to not say a word about the fact that Russia 
is basically set up now to control Europe's of the availability of oil to Europe. Well, that just gives them a stranglehold on the entire region. All they have to do, you know, great. Russians can put their pipeline in, but we can't put ours in. So you're allowing them a stranglehold on the region. They're allowed to look at the EU and say, hey, you pissed us off. We're going to shut your oil off. And there's not a damn thing that can be done about it. it. It's a created crisis. It's a created shortage and created by all these asinine, idiotic COVID restrictions. Just, you know, just like supply chain shortages that we're seeing in this country, the availability of goods. You know, people talking about grocery store shelves, not being able to find common items, that kind of thing. That was created by regulations. That was created by COVID policies. That was, you know, created by the fact in California, you can't go in. I know people who have told me, you know, a brother-in-law of mine has, he works for a company that they bring things in from overseas. And they have things setting in warehouses in California, in the port, that port employees are the only ones that can do anything with them. They can't send their own trucks in to get that stuff out. Port employees have to do it because the unions and all the stupid regulations California has, and you know, your truck has to be a certain age or newer. And these are all created problems. These are created shortages. And they're meant to... You know, we had people coming out, politicians and commentators and stuff saying, well, this year for Thanksgiving, just make do with less. Well, that's not the acceptable answer. That's, you know, yeah, I may not need to do this or that, but I live in a country where I have the freedom to do it. If I want to fix a turkey and a ham for Thanksgiving for my family, I'm going to do it. You shouldn't be telling me, well, get by with less because there's no reason for that in this country. Absolutely none. Everything, crises are created so they can step in and try to claim they have a solution and be a hero. And it's no different with gas prices now. You know, they've created that situation. It it gives you, if gas prices get too high, people are going to stay home. They Everybody's over all this COVID crap, you know. Well, no, I'm going to live my life. Well, now you can't afford the gas to go live your life. You know, you it's not there. Uh, so it's more created crisis. So at some point they can try to look like they've accomplished something. The next thing I wanted to talk about was now that everybody's over COVID, all of a sudden, boom, enter the Omicron variant. And they, they even, they've gone so far and gotten so stupid as to say that this is an asymptomatic variant. I have literally seen an article talking about this being an asymptomatic variant. So now having no COVID symptoms is a COVID symptom. They have actually gone that far and gotten that asinine about all of this. They think we are so stupid that we're going to fall for, and sadly chunk of the population will fall for it, that if you're not sick, you better go get tested for COVID. And I've said it a hundred times, stop testing healthy people. It's just stupid. All it is is a way for inaccurate testing to pump up the numbers, to keep the fear going. 
so they can keep more control. And it's interesting that they went with the Omicron variant because they skipped new and she, well, they claim they skipped new. They're going by the Greek alphabet. And after the move variant new and you was the next logical choice. They claim they skipped that one because it sounds too much like moo. And so people might not realize that it's, oh, it's a whole nother variant. Well, who gives a shit? But then they skipped she, and they literally admitted they did that to avoid offending people with that name. In other words, I, I don't know. Can anybody think of somebody in the world with the name she spelled XI? I seem to have heard of some guy in China that had that name. I'm not real sure, but I think there's some guy over there that's kind of a big deal that has that name and they didn't want to offend him. Well, kiss my ass. I'm sorry. This shit started in China. Maybe you should have used it to pay homage to the guy that brought this to the world stage. You know, I'm so sick and tired of this. They don't, don't want to offend anyone. We'll offend people. If you're not offending anyone, you're doing it wrong. You're a chicken shit. And they had four symptomatic cases in South Africa is what everyone was panicking over. Four symptomatic cases. Now they're telling us, well, this one has a very large number of mutations to the spike protein in it, which what they're trying to say by that is they're saying more mutations means it's harder for your immune system to recognize as coronavirus and to fight it as such. So in the interest of this, the vaccine manufacturers are analyzing whether or not they need to adjust the composition of their vaccination. In other words, guess what, folks? You got another shot coming. That's right. Bend over, show us a cheek. Here it comes. And they've also talked about maybe maybe we need to up the dosage from 50 micrograms to 100. In other words, they're wanting lifetime customers, and this is their way to do it. You know, oh, we've got a new variant. Everybody better watch what they're doing. And, and now Joe Biden has imposed travel restrictions that start Monday because apparently this COVID strain can't travel on weekends on South Africa and seven other Southern African countries. And I distinctly remember how everybody jumped on social media and said, oh, it was racist and it goes against our national ideals when Donald Trump imposed travel restrictions on African nations over the very same thing. But when he did it, it was because he didn't want black and brown people traveling to the United States. And now it's for your health and for public safety and all this crap. And from an asymptomatic variant, that that is still the one that just blows me out of the water. They have made this so stupid. You know, now everything everything is a COVID symptom. Runny nose, COVID. Headache, COVID. Earache, COVID. Sore toe, COVID. Uneven tire wear, COVID. You know it, your hair's falling out, COVID. You got body hair growing, COVID. You know, your leg hurts, COVID. Your leg doesn't hurt, COVID. You have symptoms, you have a cough, you have COVID. You have no symptoms, you have COVID. You have morning wood, you have COVID. They've 
gone so far and made this so stupid that everything that happens now somehow is a COVID symptom. And we have a ridiculously large portion of our population that just buys it. They just take it. Oh, well, Fauci said, well, Fauci said a lot of ignorant shit. And then Fauci's unsaid that ignorant shit. So why would you pay any attention to anything that that man says? And these travel restrictions come with some exemptions. The exemptions are American citizens, legal permanent residents of the U.S., and spouses of citizens, non-citizen spouses, or spouses of legal permanent residences, residents. And it's interesting that you're saying we don't want people coming in from this country because of this COVID variant. But we're going to allow certain people to come into the country because of this. And the most ironic part of this is they restricted travel to these African, to and from these African countries, but they've left the southern border wide open. We've still got illegal aliens pouring across the southern border just in streams, and that's perfectly okay. There's... You know, apparently, I don't know, maybe the Rio Grande River is some kind of magic barrier that COVID can't cross or, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe that's what the vaccines are made from is Rio Grande River water. Um, They, the hypocrisy of it and the contradiction of it is just so insanely asinine that it defies belief. You know, we're going to restrict travel from these countries because they have a new COVID variant that has had four symptomatic cases, but it's largely an asymptomatic variant. Well, here's the thing about how that works. As viruses go on, and you can see it with the common cold, with the flu, whatever, by and large symptoms, as they mutate, as they change, and they do, symptoms get to be less because your body has, your immune system recognizes it. It may not be able perfectly tailored to fight whatever that particular strain is, but it knows what to do. It has an idea. So you see fewer, fewer symptoms and, you know, far better results as time goes by. Yeah. One may be more infectious than the other. It may pass easier because there may be some specific mutation that makes it easier to catch, but your symptoms are less. They go away. That's the reason that Throughout history, we haven't been wiped out by influenza or common cold or, you know, any of that is because the human body learns to recognize it. We we can restrict travel. And I'm not saying that travel restrictions from countries where you see stuff like this is a bad idea. I'm saying it's hypocritical because everybody hailing this is all the same usual suspects to talk about how horrible it was that Donald Trump put travel restrictions in place. Well, if you want to keep something out, you don't let it come in. You know, if, if they had swine flu affecting 40% of the population in a European country, I wouldn't want people coming here from that European country. So if you're going to claim that this variant is infecting people in South Africa, then yeah, you don't want people coming in from South Africa. But the hypocrisy of it in leaving the southern border open just boggles the mind. You know, and, and a lot of the people coming across the southern border are African migrants that found a way to get there because they knew that the border's porous. People from all over the world coming across that border 
because they know that they're just leaving it basically undefended. They're letting people come through at will. They're protecting them for shit's sake. They're talking about settlement payments to illegals who were separated from their children at border detention facilities. Settlement payments, the, the amount, and bear in mind, there's a lot of moving parts to this, and this is just, you know, numbers that you see. $450,000 payments, settlement payments to people who were separated from their children in border detention facilities that crossed our border illegally. No, absolutely not. Hell no. They don't deserve anything. They came into this country criminally, and I don't care what you say. Most countries, illegal entry is a criminal offense, and it should be here. So they came into our country illegally, in violation, in flagrant violation of our laws, and were separated from their children. And bear in mind, there was a lot of trafficking going on in all this. And a lot of times, the reason they were separated from the children is to be able to identify whether or not that was actually their child. Because there was a lot of trafficking going on, and people buying kids, renting kids, whatever, to help them get into the country because they knew that they'd be allowed to stay if they brought a child with them. Now they're talking about settlement payments to these people? No, absolutely not. Do not give them a dime. If they want something, you give them a damn bus ride back across the border to their country of origin, and you tell them, get your ass in line and do it the right way. They want to do that? Bye. I'm all for that. But if they want to just sneak in and then think they ought to be compensated because we separated them from their child at the border to make sure that was actually their child. And I'm sorry, tough shit. You know, you don't like it. Stay on your side of the border. It's that simple. Get in line, come here the right way or stay in your country. It's, it's literally that cut and dried in my world. And I think, to a large percentage of the population, it's literally that cut and dried. You know, there's not that much nuance there. If you want to seek asylum, you seek asylum in the first country you come to. You don't cross two or three other countries to come to our border and seek asylum. You know, you that just that's not how it works. And we are supposed to have a remain in Mexico policy. You are supposed to remain in Mexico while your asylum claim is processed. And the Supreme Court upheld that. They reinstated it. They said that that is perfectly legal and that they should remain in Mexico. Well, then our administration basically just defies that. You know, they just said, uh, who cares? And we have an interesting phenomenon going on in this country in that we have an administration that's made it clear they're willing to defy the court system. They, with this vaccine mandate, you know, Joe Biden basically told businesses, well, go ahead and enforce it after the Fifth Circuit Court had said, no, it can't stand. But he told businesses to go ahead and enforce it. And all the people on the left that literally screamed dictator every time Donald Trump spoke are now suddenly hailing this as how brave this is and encouraging a sitting president to defy our court system to step outside our system of checks and balances as laid forth in the Constitution of the United States. But they thought Trump was a dictator. But they're telling him to ignore the system of checks and balances. Well, Donald Trump followed the system of checks and balances. If he signed an executive order and the Supreme Court shot it down, he didn't try to enforce it. He wasn't very good at being a dictator. He's also probably the first dictator in history to be voted out of office. 
So he kind of sucked at the whole being a dictator thing. But this new variant, this is just another way to hold on to, you know, what people have tried to start taking back. You see more and more people in this country talking about wanting to live their lives and go on and get rid of the mask mandates. And, you know, we want to be left alone to live our lives. Well, now all of a sudden, here's a new way to gain more control and to claim that you're somehow doing that for righteous cause. The It's just the hypocrisy in our government and the contradictions are just plain ridiculous. You know, the difference in the way people react to a decision Joe Biden makes versus the decision Donald Trump made. It's just stupid. It, they make it very clear that it wasn't the decision they had a problem with. It was the person who made it. They'd have been perfectly okay if someone else had said the same thing. And that's just stupid. That that's hypocritical. It, it makes it clear you're not doing things from a thoughtful standpoint. You're doing everything strictly based on your emotions and who you like and who you don't like. And that's not how you govern in this country. That's not how it's supposed to work. It's absolutely not. And we, we see this pushed in every situation. We see this administration blame decisions they've made on, on the Trump administration. You know, we did this because it was Donald Trump's fault. We had to fix this or that. And most of that wasn't broken, but, oh, they have to fix it, you know? And that's seems to have been such a large part of what they have done the entire time in this administration. And I'm sorry, pass the buck does not impress me. You want to impress me, you absolutely have to take responsibility, own your own actions. It's that simple. You have to, you know, if you're going to do something, then you do what you feel you need to do and you own it. You say, hey, I made that choice. And you stick with it. Well, that's most of what we've got to cover. Other than we've got the way we've been trying to close our show lately is with a section we call Twittiot of the Week. The purpose of this segment is to recognize someone who has posted something on Twitter that is so absolutely stupid, moronic, deranged, idiotic that it deserves recognition. And this week, our Twittiot of the Week is a gentleman who is usually in contention. He's usually got something that I get, you know, gets a second look. Well, this week, this moron, Rob Reiner, posted on Twitter, and this is an exact, I'll read it for you. An underage kid illegally takes an assault rifle across state lines, kills two people, injures another, then is welcomed with open arms at Mar-a-Lago, by the leader of the Republican Party, a mentally ill racist. This is where we are. God help us. Uh, Rob, if, you know, you're pretty much an unemployed actor. You don't have jack shit to occupy your time. You should have spent a little bit of it watching the trial. And you'd have known that a weapons charge was dismissed because nobody crossed state lines with a firearm. And... You're still pushing that narrative. You might want to read, I don't know, a new, even the Washington Post. Pick it up. It'll tell you. You know, even the mainstream media now knows that nobody crossed a state line with a firearm. And 
so maybe you should worry about facts a little bit instead of fiction and you should try to pay a little attention to what's going on in the world if you're not willing to do that sit down shut up congratulations rob reiner you are our twittiot of the week <laughs>